This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. This week on the show, useless information about horror, 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 TV shows and movies. And we'll enlighten you with some useless music information. Plus, Roy has another useless fact for you, and we'll open up the mailbag and, oh yeah, news from around the world. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode number 21. Here we go. Bone chilling. Blood curdling. Listen, if you dare. Ooh. <laughs> Boy, it's scared that you know what's for me. They are real, by the way. They are really real. The corpses in the rainy poltergeist pool scene were real skeletons. It was really? supposedly cheaper than fabricating fake ones. And the actress who starred in the scene, Joe Beth Williams, wasn't told that her bony buddies were real until after shooting. Wow. I bet she had a bone to pick. <laughs> yeah, she sure did. More than one, apparently. Everybody in the pool can involve. In the Friday the 13th movies, composer Harry Manfredini had the Jason character say the words, kill her mommy. Kill her mommy. And recorded it and then heavily distorted it and just kept repeating it with a viola playing in the background. And so what you have in that movie, if you remember, well, anytime there's like a killing scene, you hear this, it almost sounds like, come on, come on, come on, Wow. Like yeah. that, because it's so heavily distorted, but it was ingenious and the subliminal value of it was just unbelievable. It was almost scary. <laughs> it scared me as you were talking about it. Ooh, mm-hmm. the hairs looked. The hairs on my uh, arm just rose. That in itself is scary. Like kill her, mommy, kill her. <laughs> Ooh, uh, yeah. wakey, wakey! In the 2005 Amityville horror movie, the cast and crew kept waking up at 3:15 in the morning. Now you're thinking, well, maybe that was their call time. No. Their wake-up call wasn't until later. They woke up inexplicably at 3.15 while filming, which is the same time Ryan Reynolds' character mysteriously wakes up every night in the film. Wow. That's crazy. Did you ever go by that house? No, I haven't. I've seen pictures of it, but I haven't driven by. Have you? Have you gone by that house? Yes, I have gone by it, and it really isn't. Just a regular house, you know. I mean, until you get inside, I guess, and the blood starts pouring out of the walls. Then there's a bit of a problem. Yeah, don't look behind you, though. Don't look behind you. No, don't look behind. No! <laughs> no. Okay. The camp in Friday the 13th, it was called Camp Crystal Lake, if you remember. Mm-hmm. It was an actual camp, but it wasn't called Camp Crystal Lake. It was called No Be Bo Slow. N-O dot B-E dot B-O dot S-L-O. Nobi Boslo. The camp um, actually is a real camp, but of course in September the camp closed after season and the movie was given the rights to shoot anything they wanted. All the scenery was there. Everything was perfect. So it was the perfect set for a horrible 
horror to take place. And I don't know. So <laughs> the name of the original campus sounds like Beezy Bop, Beezy Bop. Sounds like a different language altogether. Sounds like a Cajun jambalaya mix or something. Mm, delicious. Sissy Spacek was so dedicated to her role in Carrie in let 19- me bet, Let me bet she slept in blood for like three days. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go, oh go, no! Go. Okay, <laughs> sounds like we've done it again. We'll explain it in a minute. So, Sissy Spacek was dedicated to her role in 1976 in Carrie. She slept in her fake blood-soaked prom gown to preserve the continuity. She had a trailer pulled behind the MGM Studios in Culver City, and she slept in that blood for three days. You're amazing that you want to sleep in that sticky, icky stuff. PJ Souls, uh, her co-star, said that. And she was like, no, it's got to match. I want it to look great. So good old Sissy Spacek, she slept in the same you know, clothes. I'm going to be honest with you. Ever watch a Sissy Spacek film? She's frightening. I don't care if she's playing like a scene where she's giving sunflowers to a kid. It's still <laughs> scary. She's like, here's the sunflowers. You know, it's scary. She's just a scary faced person. Now, did you have this fact as well? Because it sounded like, you know, you. you, you no, did- I didn't. And, and so people know this is funny. I did not write that fact because I just passed over it. I thought it was interesting, but I passed over it. So it's funny because I didn't write it down. But just so people know, me and Nick, we just say horror and then we pick four facts that we want to talk about but we don't discuss the facts so we can go back and forth so that was just shocking because i knew that fact you know and here's another thing so i guess you do the same thing in our heads when we go over these facts we probably figure roy might do that one so i'll skip over to the next one i think you and i know each other well enough for me after 40 plus years of friendship you talk about a horror you get inside (laughs) our heads yes it truly (laughs) is horror (laughs) so in the movie the evil dead part two Mm -hmm. okay director de laurentis sneaks a prop from another horror film in a scene this is great because i love when they do this there's a scene in the movie, The Evil Dead Part Two, where there's a door that they're going to go through. Above the door is hanging Freddy Krueger's glove. Now, if anybody doesn't know Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Freddy Krueger had this leather glove with these metal knives attached to it that he would slash people to pieces with. It's something you can't get out of your head, and it's hanging right above the doorway. And when I when if I say it to you, you'll you can't unsee it. But, you know, in most people, it's, again, a subliminal prop. Yeah. And it works every single time. This is what I call B got your tongue. Tony Todd actually had to hold all of those real bees in his mouth while shooting the climax of the movie Candyman from 1992. He negotiated a one thousand dollar bonus for every time he was stung. After every shot, the bee handler would vacuum up the bees with a little soft pouch and take them back to their dressing room. So maybe the bees had a trailer. So Tony Todd, the actor, he had a dental dam to prevent the bees from going down his throat. And according to the director, he was very courageous. It's such an unsettling and stunning image when the bees emerge from his mouth. And by the way, for the record, he was stung a total of 23 times times a thousand he got a twenty-three thousand dollar bonus just because he ate some bees. Ah, 
got stung in his mouth? Yeah. Damn, that's not bad. I don't like that. I don't want bees anywhere near me. John Carpenter, the director of the famous horror Halloween, mm-hmm. he loved Alfred Hitchcock. In fact, Alfred Hitchcock was one of his idols. And he, he wanted to pay homage to um, Alfred Hitchcock. And so as he got famous and made his famous film Halloween, he cast Jamie Lee Curtis in the main role. Well, you say, well, how is that paying homage to Alfred Hitchcock? Well, Alfred Hitchcock's most famous movie was Psycho. And that was the star Janet Lee, who was the lead role in Psycho, whose daughter is Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow, there you go. <laughs> there you so have it. So that's the one to write down. That's right. So we o- horror now. <laughs> that's right. We encourage everyone <laughs> to use a pen or pencil or crayon or whatever you'd like, eyeliner pencil if you'd like. Or, Nick, they yeah. can use blood. Or <laughs> blood, yes. <laughs> as as we give you more of this information, you may call it useless information, but it's something you want to repeat to your family and friends as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. From Beethoven to Bieber, rock and roll to rhythm and blues, this is Totally Useless Music Information with Nick and Roy. How poetic that was. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sir Ringo Starr from the Beatles dropped a legal case recently against the makers of a sex toy called Ring O. (laughs) The The old Ring O. That's right. The Beatles drummer first challenged the Ring O trademark with U.S. authorities in March of 2019, saying it was too similar to his name. However, he has now withdrawn... His complaint after reaching in and out. Yeah, that's in right. He was in and, in and out. He withdrew, <laughs> and they underlined this. He he has he has now withdrawn his He's complaint after reaching a climax. No, after reaching an agreement. <laughs> I was going to say he was so close to reaching the climax of this lawsuit. <laughs> after reaching an agreement with the manufacturers of Pacific Coast Holdings mm-hmm. and Momentum Management. So Ringo makers have agreed not to make any reference associating the product with Ringo Starr or the Beatles. So you think because he's a drummer, he thought he could beat them. Oh, he did. (laughs) After he withdrew his complaint. Canadians in space, 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 space. Great special effects. We spend loads of money on this show. <laughs> yeah, wait till the check clears first. Yes. So Canadians in space. I'm down here in Florida. And as we all know, Nick is in Toronto, Canada, 1500 miles away. Why? We don't know. But can and we will find out eventually. <laughs> That's right. When the authorities finally answer our emails. Yes. <laughs> when the authorities break down his door and find out he's not a citizen. <laughs> <laughs> Canadians in space in 2015. What does this have to do with music, you say? Yeah. Did you say that? In 2015, astronaut Chris Hadfield, while in orbit on the International Space Station, recorded an entire album of music, original music, and released it. He was in orbit for 144 days and recorded 11 original songs. The album has a name. It is called, get your pencils ready, Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can. Sitting in my tin can. Yes. 
far across the world. What a great, great fact. Now That's we, a cool fact, isn't it? It He's is. He's Canadian. Well, I'll tell you how cool that is. So we just mentioned just moments ago that Roy and I don't rehearse the show, and sometimes it's rather obvious, but we also don't tell each other what facts. So I actually have this one. I have this fact as well. We picked the same fact, but here's one thing, though. He recorded the David Bowie hit, Space Oddity, and then went up to the charts. So not only will you get information from Roy, here is my sort of like, you know, the final note here in this musical section of totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Nick actually doubles the uselessness of the information, if that's even possible. I do it all for you. So Chris Hadfield spent 144 days at the International Space Station, as Roy said, and one of the things that he recorded from the album, he got permission from David Bowie to sing Space Oddity. Ground control. Oh, yeah. he, and he did a great job, too. And, and actually, um, I, I didn't meet Chris Hatfield, but I had the pleasure of speaking to him on the phone because in my regular job here in, in Toronto, I'm a, a technical producer. I had the opportunity to call Chris Hatfield, but he was expecting the call, by the way, and uh, to set up an interview. And he's really, really cool guy, really down to earth. Was it long distance, the call? <laughs> yeah, I called. <laughs> it didn't matter because I called to collect. Hello, International Space Station, please. <laughs> That's right. No, no, he wasn't in space at the time that we called. But yeah, Is we did this interview. So cool. We know celebrities. <laughs> did you say? Oh no, I think I heard what I heard you just say. Is we are no celebrities. We're no celebrities. We got knocked off a of series for who? What was his name? The comedian, Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. No, we just we put no, no. We, we hate Louis Anderson. No, we post. We got postponed. We didn't get thrown out. Not yet. Anyway, wait till wait till. Oh, screw Louis Anderson. Listen, wait till management hears the tapes. Then we'll get thrown off of Sirius XM. And what Roy's referring to, of course, is that every Tuesday afternoon at two thirty Eastern time, Roy and I go on Canada Now. Hosted by Jeff Samet, a great guy, a good friend as well. And we do totally useless information. I'm going to go with another one. Go ahead. Sure. Britney Spears is in the news a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you have this Britney Spears fact? No, I don't. No, no. Okay. Well, Britney Spears is in the news a lot about her battles over her guardianship. Do you know about this? I know about the case. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, she's some case. But did you know that the British Navy uses two songs? Okay. Oops, I did it again, which is a great song. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> and baby, one more time. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> yeah, what a great impression of uh, Britney Spears. Why does she sound like Edward G. Robinson's daughter? <laughs> <laughs> Your dirty rat. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, to, but anyway. Yeah. They use the songs, the British Navy, to scare Somali pirates off the coast of Africa from trying to board ships and take the crew hostage. So they use this as a weapon <laughs> <laughs> by playing it extremely loud. It begins to confuse the Somalis who give up their um, bank accounts and everything to their parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's scary. It is. <laughs> no, can you imagine, though, they literally do this. They blast Britney Spears' music to confuse them so that yeah. they can 
take advantage of them by shooting them or whatever it is that they do. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That should have been in the horror thing, Nick, because the last thing those poor Somalis hear is hit me, baby, one more time. And they're like, no, please, no, don't, no, uncle, uncle, I'm going to say uncle. Actually, I think they walk out into the scope of the sniper and say, please shoot me. <laughs> anything, anything but another Britney Spears song. No more. <laughs> Could you imagine the British sniper? They say, do you have the Somali in your sights? And he goes, Are you, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So uh, since you have a writing implement in your hand, because as we suggest, keep something close by that you can write with and on. Some sort of implement in your hand. That's right, that you can write with. August 24th, mark that date down. August 24th is International Strange Music Day. It is meant to expand the ear towards new sounds. It was created by Patrick Grant, who was a New York City musician and composer at the time. The premise of the day is simple, to get people to play and listen to types of music that they have never experienced before. Like so Britney Spears. Like Britney Spears. <laughs> well, they didn't want to. He picked August. <laughs> now, great idea, I think. But, you know, he's a kiss ass, too, because he picked August 24th because it was his girlfriend's dad's birthday. Mm. who was also sort of an artistic man. my wife's birthday. That's right. So you want to send um, all kinds of uh, messages to Roy's wife on her birthday. (laughs) So this growing movement is now attached to concerts. It hosts a record label and gains strong support from summer schools where it is appreciated as a great day to stimulate. Of course, summer schools. You got to take the dumb kids. No, 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 no. They're not dumb. They just need more help. They're not dumb. I had to go to summer school once. Well, there you go. Uh, you just proved it. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait a minute. I think I just proved that it is the dumbest. That's kid. right. Proof Can we edit pre- that out, please? <laughs> yeah, I might, I might suffer from dyslexia just in that moment here. I'm totally useless information with Nick and Roy. By the way, the International Strange Music Day is appreciated as a great way to stimulate young minds. I think people should write that down. That's August 24th, right? August 24th, International Strange Music Day. Live it. Okay. In 1857, <laughs> Lord James Pierpoint, mm-hmm. better known for just having a cool name. It's a great Actually, name. My name was Lord James Pierpoint. But anyway, he wrote a song called Jingle Bells. Oh, yeah. Great holiday classic, right? Exactly. But what holiday, Nick? Oh, Christmas. Come on. Why, why wouldn't of it be course, Christmas? Of course, right? Jingle bells. It's yeah. Christmas. It's as Christmas as apple pie is Dutch. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Listen, it was written by Lord James Pierpoint, so he'd know better than anybody else that he wrote it for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving? No, <laughs> come on. He wrote it as a homage to Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving song. He wrote it in 1857, and two years later, somebody came over to him and said, excuse me, Lord James Pierpoint. <laughs> it seems that people at Christmas time are enjoying your little titty of a song. And so he said, well, then let's make it the Christmas song. So that's what they did. They made it Jingle Bells, the Christmas song. And, and by the way, rewritten in 1859 slightly changed but not much by the same guy Pierpoint he makes it a Christmas song that's amazing so every time you hear that song Jingle Bells are on the holidays you'll remember this fact here on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy this next uh, fact I call that's a lot of wood 
Mm. Modern violins are constructed from over 70 pieces of wood. Violin strings were originally made from the lining of the intestine of a sheep, goat, horse, or a pig. You choose. Mm. But now, thankfully, they have synthetic nylon, and it's encased in steel or aluminum. But 70 pieces of wood is what's... And some some intestines. And some intestines, yes. Wow. They they could use sheep, goat, or pig intestine? And horse. And horse. Or horse. Or a horse, yeah. Yeah. Wow. For wow. the, for the not, bigger violins. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's the same thing for the tennis racket. It's the gut string using the gut, meaning, I guess, the intestine. This is a cool music fact that I really love. The famous Barry Manilow. How many hit songs did Barry Manilow write? Really, honestly, he had to write, what, at least 30 big hit songs? Easily, I think he is like one of the most iconic uh, names in music. By the way, I actually got to see him in concert, his last concert tour. And he, my wife is like, why do you want to see Barry Manilow? And I'm like, he's Barry Manilow. Are you kidding me? I think Barry Manilow is great. Yeah. And she's like, Barry Manilow? She did like the concert. She really did. We were the youngest people there. So anyway. <laughs> you were, you were yeah. an honorary fanalow, apparently. Yeah. The, the average age was like 87 including him. These people forgot that they collect social security. That's how old they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, They didn't buy tickets. They just handed in their social security checks to get in. But anyway, he's written 30 songs, at least famous, incredible songs. What's his, what's his most famous song? Um, Mandy, Mandy. And what's the other one? Uh, What is it? I write the song. You know, I write the song. Yeah. That's the number one famous song for Barry Manilow. Yeah. He didn't write it. That's right. <laughs> the song titled I Write the Songs. He didn't write. <laughs> didn't write. In fact, it was written. This is great. This is one song that he didn't write. <laughs> it was written by Bruce Johnson in 1975. Now, get ready to who originally recorded it. Okay. Because okay, so many times this happens with people that just write music like bullpen writers. Right. That's what this guy was. Yeah. The song went originally to Captain and Tennille. Love, love, we'll oh. keep us together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the Captain and Tennille, I thought the Captain always wrote the music. Lie. Right. <laughs> he didn't. Bruce Johnson was writing the music. Probably not even his name. And then it was originally recorded by Captain and Tennille. Then that didn't do well. Then a young guy named David Cassidy, the Partridge family. No. David Cassidy recorded it the third time, I guess third time's a charm, Barry Manilow sent it to number one on the charts. He wasn't only just a great songwriter. He was a great jingle writer. Oh, he was a great jingle writer. Yeah, uh, remember the song uh, Band-Aid? I am stuck on the Band-Aid because the Band-Aid stuck on me. That's Barry Manilow. Yeah. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I know we're giving some free plugs here. Yeah, he did that in the concert. He said, I write a lot of jingles. He was like, like a good neighbor, State Farm. And one of the most known jingles, you deserve a break today from McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's about this one? In the concert, he said, uh, he, he dedicated a song to his grandfather. He said his grandfather got him started in music, literally. His grandfather spent 25 cents down in Manhattan. You put 25 cents in, you sang in this box, and it put it on a plastic record. 
and literally remember those plastic records sometimes you get them in cereal boxes yeah i remember that sure that's what it gave you and he was talking about it at the concert which is really cool and he goes you guys want to hear the recording he actually still had the recording which he played and his grandfather's going barry you have to sing I spent a quarter on this. Sing something. And he goes, happy birthday. It's so cool. It was so cool. But uh, but yeah, so Barry Manilow. Good old Barry uh, Manilow. I'd like to thank Bruce Johnson for writing I Write the Songs. That's right. Thank you for writing that song. As you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, and you can easily go to our website, nickandroy.com, and send us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? So this week, instead of the email coming from our website, this actually came from our good buddy, our high school buddy, Jay Glinsky. And he posted this on Facebook. Jay Glinsky. Jay (laughs) Glinsky. Now, he's a a fellow Floridian, right? He lives in, uh, in Florida as well. He lives uh, on the east coast of Florida. The east coast of Florida. So Jay Glinsky was a, a high school buddy of ours. Uh, we went to high school together. He graduated a year before we, we did, so he's smarter than we are. <laughs> Either that or they let, them, they let them out quicker. They didn't want them there. That's right. Okay, get out, get out, get out. They started playing Britney Spears songs. No, so uh, so he what he did was he posted this on Facebook, but he tagged myself and Roy. So this is courtesy of Jay Glinsky. He sent us this gem. The hippo butt leech was once a creature of mystery. In 2003, explorers in South Africa confirmed the existence of the Playcob Deloids Jagoscoyoldi. Okay, mm-hmm. it is a leech that spends its life sucking on hippo butt until it dies and falls off. Now, don't worry. The hippo butt leech has very specific tastes. It will not live in any rectum, only hippopotami rectums. Mm. So they're a hippopotamus ass kisser. Yes, or because it spends its whole life sucking Mm. on it until it dies and falls off, eat crap and die. Jay, you're disgusting. <laughs> Where does he find this? But stuff? thanks for sending us the information. And anyone you see, else? I left him a little. Uh, you wrote something underneath that you were going to use it on the show or something. Yeah. So he posted this on Facebook. So I responded. I said, "Thank you, Jay." Roy and I want to express our gratitude for digging out this gem. We will certainly use it and give you full credit, as we just did. I will never look at hippopotamuses the same again. And he wrote, my pleasure. And then I sent them a picture of like a hippopotamus with this look on his face like, don't look now, but I have like a leech on my butt. And then you wrote, this is an interesting fact. And for other interesting facts, go to www.nickandroy.com. Sorry for the shameless plug. (laughs) It's disgusting, isn't it? It was, yes. You just said you'll never look at a hippopotamus. Nick, you look a hippopotamus in the eyes. You don't look them in the butt. Oh, there you go. That, that was my mistake. If you want to send us an email or send us a Facebook and tag Roy or Nick, you go to nickandroy.com. What's in the mail? <laughs> I know I've been doing it wrong all along. And now for something completely useless. Pesky, pesky mosquitoes. The mosquito. Mm-hmm. You know what EDM is? 
It's electronic dance music. It's like rap and rock and EDM. Well, anyway, EDM is that stuff that goes Right. You know, it's just really annoying. So they noticed something, though. If you play EDM music very loud, mm-hmm. okay, the high and low frequencies, the boom, 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 actually. <laughs> <laughs> He's a human, human beatbox, he is. Yeah. But anyway, the sounds that they have in these things confuse the mosquitoes as well as the humans listening. But it, <laughs> it, it confuses the mosquitoes, and the mosquitoes do not bite. They actually fly away from this music. So now I thought to myself, if you play that music and Britney Spears at the same time, <laughs> I guess those Somalis will just commit suicide. <laughs> yes, enough. No more. No more. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Today we talked about some horror stuff. We talked about music. We found out that Jay Glinsky really gave us some great information about the hippo butt leech. <laughs> it's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, A Florida man whose rap sheet, no, it's not Roy, whose rap sheet includes more than a... It's Jay. It's Jay. It's Jay Glinsky. (laughs) (laughs) His rap sheet includes more than a dozen drug convictions, was arrested. definitely Jay Glinsky. (laughs) He was arrested. Well, listen up here. After jailers discovered four crystal rocks of of meth, (laughs) <laughs> you think you I would tell Nick? I, yeah. Nick is not a junkie. No, you can tell. They just—I dis- I believe they were very fine baccarat. <laughs> so they discovered four rocks of meth stored inside the defendant's penis skin. Whoa! His name? Hold on a minute. Thirty. In the, yeah. They found how many? Four. Four in crystal the four rocks. Skin. Right. Four in four the four in the skin. Four skin. That's right. <laughs> 30-year-old Shaft Bang Adams. No, his name is not Shaft. This is what it says. Shaft Bang Adams, 30 years old, was collared uh. in mid-May for driving with a suspended or revoked license. If and- you're a cop and you pull over a guy and he gives you his license and it says Chef Bang Adams, right. you definitely <laughs> searched this guy. Well, they did. They booked him into the Orange County Jail on the misdemeanor count. Ooh. Adams, who's a resident of Orlando, that's near where Jay lives, isn't he? Maybe he knows Jay. Maybe they know each other. I anyway. wonder if his wife is called Mrs. Meaner. But go ahead. <laughs> Mr. Meaner, Mrs. Meaner. Mr. Meaner. <laughs> uh, so Adams, an Orlando resident, was familiar with the lockup owing to his 20-plus convictions for offenses like... Now, here, oh. this is a guy you bring home to mom, right? Domestic assault, battery, possession of a controlled substance, delivery of cocaine, possessions of a firearm by a convicted felon, false imprisonment, and possession of drug paraphernalia. Just All name those few. pale in comparison to sticking crystal meth rocks in your force. <laughs> <laughs> so during the jail intake process, uh, Shaft Adams was subjected to a strip search during which a correctional officer reported finding, quote, four crystal rocks white in color inside the penis skin of Mr. Adams. Could you imagine them questioning the police officer? They'd say... Who's the one that got the crystal meth in his shaft? 
Can you dig it? And he said, I wish I didn't because he went digging and found it. A, sub- <laughs> a subsequent. <laughs> I'm impressed with Shaft. I mean, that's a lot of crystal. It is. And imagine. Is it bumpy? I mean. <laughs> wow. Imagine the chutzpah in this guy. A subsequent field test of the rocks tested positive for meth. Shaft was charged with possession of meth. Fat and semen. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was arrested on land. They said, Shaft. We have some good news and some bad news. Number one, we found the four crystal meth rocks. Number two, you're diabetic. That's right. <laughs> you're so, so Shaft was charged with possession of meth and introducing contraband into a penal institution. Oh, no. Which no, <laughs> are both no. felonies. Okay. It's bad enough that he, he brought the contraband, but he brought it into he brought it into a penal institution. Okay. Of course he did. It was in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He spent eight days in custody before posting a $2,000 bond. Adams is back behind bars following his arrest on cocaine possession and resisting charges, according to the record. Where did they find this one in his rectum? They better search every orifice of shaft. (laughs) (laughs) Rectum, it nearly killed him. His name was probably Richard. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us this week and every week. We really do appreciate it. That's all the time we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We will scour the internet far and wide, and we are so excited because we have Season 5 right around the corner, and next week we're going to give you all the details as to what's coming up fresh and exciting. Right, so you want to go to www.nickandroy.com. That's nickandroy.com. You want to leave us an email so that you can get on the show or just do something funny on our Facebook like Jake Linsky does or just walk around with a butt leash <laughs> or, put, or put a four or five <laughs> crystal meth in your penal skin. We know this guy wasn't, wasn't Jewish. <laughs> I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Really, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.